Hi guys, welcome to a new episode of our podcast. Um, we're thinking of talking about yamas and yamas today, uh, which might be a new concept for people listening. Um, I can tell you from my experience, um, it's not a new concept, but I know almost nothing about these. Um, so um lucky to have monica with us to uh talk about these some more and actually teach me a bit as well um about what they mean and um uh, yeah how we can use them in yoga and and outside yoga as well right well you you can practice yoga without knowing what the yamas and the niyamas are that's the good part you can just practice several limbs of yoga or just one or uh, it's it's quite a challenge to 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 have them all of them in mind at the same time but i'd say the yamas and the niyamas as limbs of yoga help us be um but not not to be better or truer yogis but um they really help us grasp a fuller meaning of what yoga is. And the benefits that are derived from them are also palpable and can be reflected in various other parts of our lives, apart from just the yoga practice. So um, the yamas are some uh, sort of social restraints, like a moral code, and they're about self-control and self-regulation, and they're there to... Uh, free ourselves from falling victim to our own human impulses. And they also harmonize us uh, with the others and with the environment we live in, within the society we live in. Um, there are five. Um, there are Ahimsa, Asteya, Aparigraha, Brahmacharya, and Satya. Um, I'll just, uh, I enumerated them and we'll go uh, quickly through uh, both the yamas and the niyamas, but we'll focus on just one yama today. And I wanted to um, also say a few words about the niyamas. Um, the niyamas are the duties that are directed towards ourselves, uh, inner observances, um, guidelines uh, or tools to cultivating happiness and self-confidence. And the yamas are... Um, uh, what harmonizes us with ourselves, with our own self. Saucha, Santosha, Svadhyaya, Ishvara, Pranidana, and Tapas. Um, focusing some more on uh, the Yamas, I can just quickly mention what all of the five of them mean. And then we'll focus on just one and, and have a larger discussion uh, about that. So, um, Asteya is non-stealing. Aparigraha is non-possessiveness. Brahmacharya is continence. Although this is, of course, debatable. The Sanskrit language is uh, so rich in meanings that we can interpret every word in multiple ways according to the context. And Satya is truthfulness, always telling the truth. Um, and the one that we will approach today is Ahimsa which is non-violence. Um, probably it's a good idea to explain uh, the etymology of the word. So, uh, himsa is injury or harm, and there's this prefix a, um, and together they mean non-harming or non-violence, ahimsa. That's how it goes. Um, what have you perceived ahimsa to be? Um, 
from your practice, Alex, or how, what have you heard of it? Yeah, so as I was saying, I have very limited knowledge about these. Uh, I've heard of them, and actually the only one that I've heard of more, so to speak, is Ahimsa. Um, and as far as I understand it, and you've just kind of mentioned, it is this non-violence towards, and I, I guess you can apply it towards every aspect of your life, right? So. Uh, towards um, your thoughts, towards your your body, towards others, towards your diet, towards yoga, I guess, towards mm -hmm. uh, physical practice, um, and how you you know apply it in each area differs a bit, but it's always the same uh, theme, right? Throughout uh, being kind to yourself, I guess, being kind to others, um, being kind to your thoughts. This is kind of um, how I. Um, how I understood it and how I, let's say, try to practice it. Um, sometimes it's hard, um, but yeah, that's that's at least my limited, I guess, knowledge and experience on this. It coincides with my limited experience and understanding of it, but I think it's definitely what yoga wants us to understand out of Ahimsa. And it's we have to be mindful about its versatility and try to live um, with these guidelines, with the yamas and the niyamas. And indeed, we should be applying them to all aspects of life. We can dig deeper into some and into how we do that. Uh, for instance, um, what we should be understanding is so like like that that's why i wanted to highlight the where the word comes from um, because we should cultivate the opposite of violence injury aggression or, or being aggressive so basically the complete opposite would be unconditional love or a love that's full of respect for everything that exists. So yoga says that we should be manifesting this um, in what we tend to do in our actions and in our thoughts as well. And of course, probably the most, the closest one where we can apply ahimsa quite, quite easily, and it's crucial that we apply it there, it's the self and the relationship that we have with ourselves. Um, I would think. Um, and we can do that in multiple ways from being more lenient to ourselves, um, not pushing too hard, um, not scolding us when we made a blunder or a mistake, um, you know, not feeling bad about ourselves when we screwed up for once and focusing rather on the learnings from that experience rather than reprimanding ourselves because we were we were such a disastrous uh, human being and we took disastrous actions towards a disastrous goal. So seeing, uh, treating ourselves with kindness and truly seeing ourselves in a positive light is for sure living Ahimsa and enjoying yoga, how it's it was meant to be. Um, have you, I'm, I'm just wondering whether you've had any, how, how do you traditionally look at yourself? Are you the type of person that um, tries to, that, that's not, you know, 
when a when an unhappy circumstance uh, arises, you you start scolding yourself, or do you treat yourself with kindness? What's what's the first instinct? What do you go to? Yeah. Um, so as I was just saying, it is sometimes hard, and I will say that. I guess most of the time, my first instinct is actually, or my first thought is actually not a good one towards myself. Um, so, uh, and you know, that whole uh, saying everywhere on the internet these days is like, um, you you know, would you speak to your friend as you talk to yourself, right? Ouch. If you wouldn't, right, then uh, reconsider. Mm -hmm. So, um, and so I try, you know, to sometimes be like, you know, consciously, okay, um, you're not, you know, the biggest failure, <laughs> whatever the, the, the thoughts are at that point. And, you know, everybody makes mistakes and all those things. Um, and sometimes it works better than other times, I'd say. So I don't think I mastered it because um, I'm quite self-critical. Um, but I guess I've improved at least. And yeah, I, I kind of tend to think either of the, you know, friend sort of speaking part or just in general, hey, we're all humans. We all make mistakes. That's how you learn. Uh, you know, it's not the end of the world, all of those things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a challenge every time. Um, but also what I wanted to kind of add to this, so aside let's say being self-critical about myself um just kind of self-critical in, in a nutshell but um the 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 thing with you know having these negative thoughts um i would extend this not having these negative thoughts about others as well because outside of um you know just just that potentially um i don't know um getting you into actions that maybe you regret later or words that you say to other people that maybe you regret later it also i don't think makes you feel good anyway so like if you're jealous or angry mm -hmm. or resenting someone it will influence your mood as well um and that's not to say that you're always like rainbows and sunshine but um you know it's it's that thing um again that we always hear it's like uh, a thing, a situation is just a situation. It it doesn't. All it matters is how you react to it. So you give it meaning. Um, so then, you know, if you if you can give it less of a negative meaning, um, that will benefit everyone. And you know, there's there's actually been studies done that people that are tend to be more optimistic. Um, I think tend to live longer actually. So. <laughs> yeah, if, if nothing else, at least that might convince you to to try. Yeah, or maybe optimists don't live much longer because they feel the need to take risks and sometimes they make much more stupid mistakes than us pessimists. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, um circling back to the to, to harming one's one's own self, um I sometimes have the tendency to be on self-sabotage, so to put it. So probably um, I realize that I'm progressing to towards not self-sabotaging myself and not critiquing myself so much. Um, the moments when the thought comes and I acknowledge it came. 
So then I tell myself, okay, you need to stop. You need to see things with more clarity, maybe, um, and stop having all these negative thoughts about yourself um, and try to think of some occasions when I had, when I was more successful rather than a failure, as one would think in, the, in that circumstance. And it usually works. But being aware at the very moment that the bad thought about yourself happens and stopping it, refraining yourself from putting yourself even, you know, digging yourself even deeper in that negative thoughts, um, acknowledging that, I think it's it's super good because it shows you're aware and being aware is is already great. And, <laughs> and, and challenging though, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> so very challenging. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, um, I totally get what, what you mean. And yeah. the other thing that uh, might help is also something that I'm sometimes trying to remember is that, hey, you survived all the situations so far and you are fine you were fine it's you know like you've survived everything and you're still here and you're fine so true um, yeah so i think and that Very can true. also yeah this this one can also help uh or it helps me sometimes in just you know when i need to kind of deal with something uncomfortable that i know i'm not gonna like or it's difficult or i don't know what's gonna happen or all those things i'm like okay i i made it through everything so i'll make it through this yeah, and this is when it comes to the relationship that we have with us, right? And my thoughts on not harming the others or uh, cultivating the opposite of non-harming uh, for the others is is also a challenge. Probably, honestly, less of a challenge. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we tend to be judgy sometimes. And I get really annoyed when, uh, you know, yogis uh, tell me, or I see this everywhere, uh, I consume too much content about yoga, I guess. And, uh, oh, don't judge. Uh, this is not yogic of you. It's it's everywhere, you know. And it's, it's super annoying because it's such a, it's something that's so deeply us, I think. Uh, not necessarily uh, judging as in critiquing, criticizing others, but rather assessing them, evaluating them, putting those human beings in a context that pleases or displeases us. So I think this is something very natural. The problem is what do you do with it? What do you do with the consequences of it? Will you still insist? Will you continue the harm and the violence? Um, or would you stop? So I don't think this is an unnatural behavior. Um, that's, that's how I see the situation. But um, I think... The wisdom of understanding that it's no point in in um, in judging others comes a little bit later in life when we have the tools to understand this, um, namely accepting that we're so different, and when we think the judging thought and when we judge others, we literally have no idea about the, their context, their situation, their story, their day, what made them react that way and so on and so forth. And obviously we tend to react instinctively and to put that thought, oh, he's like this. Um, then she, if she said that, then it means she must be like this and so on and so forth. And it's, the thoughts ruminate and it's an endless loop of, of, uh, of judgment. But yeah, we don't know much about what we see at that point, right? We don't know what was behind. We don't. Uh, yeah, and, and actually this one <clears throat> makes me 
<clears throat> makes me think of um, uh, of one book I've read that you might have uh, also heard of or read because it's it was, um, I guess, super popular, which is Sapiens, A Brief History of um, Humankind uh, by mm -hmm. Yuval Harari, I guess is how you pronounce his name. Um, and in there, he was actually um, suggesting that um, as humans, a species, we developed speech to be able to gossip. So, um, <laughs> so if you think like that, um, then you know that that that's how we evolved. We needed to gossip. We needed to judge, <laughs> um, and that's how we formed the tribes and everything and the connections. So, yeah, like um, I said, assessing and evaluating uh, most of the times rather than just criticizing. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, gossip can be many things, um, but um, yeah, it goes back. It goes way, way back in our DNA, basically. Mm, yeah, I uh, we have an act for that. <laughs> um, the point is to manage it well, and um, if we are to refer back to to an actual um, yoga practice, namely asana practice, the physical uh, side of practicing yoga. Practicing Ahimsa here, I believe, is extremely important because as a, as a consequence of uh, joining group classes, for instance, we tend to evaluate our practice um, in comparing it with the others' practice, the co-participants at that specific class. And generally, we are not the winners, right? So... I always tell you know my students that especially the beginners, uh, there's no point in looking at other people in the room and specifically because because this will this will always reflect back back badly on your own practice. You will be intimidated and maybe you're practicing next to a ballerina or uh, I don't know a yogi who has been practicing asana for twenty years and this can be really really off putting and. All we tell ourselves at that point is, oh, I'm never going to be able to do that. Um, this will never uh, work out for me. Um, how do I get like, how do I get better at this? As if yoga is about getting better at yoga. No, it's not about that. How do I? How much time do I need to build my to build that body that they are building with my to build that pose that they are building with their body with my own body how much time would i when am i getting there <laughs> and then they ask the teacher these questions so yeah no harm also means have patience with our own practice and not push ourselves too hard yeah, i would say yeah um it's um accepting ourselves right at that very moment and at each moment basically so no matter how strong or flexible or uh, whatever we are at that point right and not pushing ourselves over the edge um yeah. that is kind of you know practicing i guess ahimsa in in yoga and i guess also in general in uh, any sort of physical practice right or yeah, of course, because if you if you think, obviously, we don't do that. But if we stopped a minute and thought, hey, when was I ever perfect um, whenever I started something new? It's there's absolutely no way you can get the knack of things and understand what's going on and what you should exactly be doing 
it, this has happened zero cases <laughs> in the in the history of us starting a new activity. So when you're new at yoga, you just have to show up and practice. And that's the key to progress, if you want to call it progress. Because showing up and practicing literally adds, literally improves. You know, they say, how do we say this in English? Um, I have it in Romanian right now, so I will need a few uh, seconds to gather my thoughts um any quantitative work will add to the qualitative outcome so if i come times enough if i participate at enough classes inevitably i will end up getting better than when i had my first class right it's only logical so yeah consistency uh is yeah key. just come um, but what i would say is also when are we ever perfect yeah, uh -huh. there you go. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't think and anything we... is ever perfect. So yeah, let's not aim for that. Let's not aim for that. It's stupid to to aim for that, and let's just enjoy the process, and progress will come. It's that simple. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I think perfect aiming for perfect or aiming for perfection kills uh, pretty much everything um, because you you're never gonna get there, and um, basically you're never gonna. Achieve. Uh, necessarily achieve much because you're always trying to get to a place where you're never going to get so you're going to get frustrated yeah. maybe give up so um yeah. i always try to for myself basically uh remind myself that good enough is good enough <laughs> good know, enough is better than perfect yeah. yeah um so but it it takes practice and sometimes you just get uh sucked into this um you know like oh it needs to be like this okay i don't like this detail and um at least for me and you it sometimes takes longer to you know realize to be like oh okay i am way deep into something that it doesn't even matter it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> that's not the point or just get it over with yeah yeah that's not the point but of course, there's the the other side uh, of things when we when we practice asana in a group setting. It's also the teacher, isn't it? And in my view, the teacher should also practice ahimsa uh, when they relate to their students, to their class participants, because sometimes teachers have the tendency to push people a little bit too hard, or um, use words that are a bit. Um, of putting uh, for some people while for others they might be uh, motivating such as challenge <laughs> like for instance if i have i have a i don't know not not a difficult pose not a hard pose but maybe a pose that's not very accessible to different bodies to different people right and then some teachers say okay so they show a first variation which is easier and more approachable more doable by by different bodies and then they continue by saying by not saying the full pose looks like this and here's what we should be doing to reach the full pose the final pose right and instead of saying that they just cue challenge and, <laughs> and then they perform the asana right so as a practitioner i'm not a big fan of that because maybe i don't feel like challenging myself today um yeah it was just an example um also something very serious and that might be very harming is physical adjustments we have a full episode on that you guys so have a look um at our youtube channel and um and watch it as well um i 
love doing adjustments during classes. I think it's important. I'm one of those teachers that really enjoy doing that. Um, but with experience, we come to understand the limits. Um, and we gain this refinement as teachers, or ideally we should get, we, sh we should earn it, we should gain it, um, so as to understand when to stop. And I know that in your practice, Alex, you prefer to, you know, you, you prefer to not necessarily not be touched, but rather, you know, um, be, be approached carefully, right, in terms of physical adjustments. But, um, yeah, so this is important because a little gesture or whatever pressure we apply when adjusting might do more harm than good. So we always need our full attention. And, of course, to practice Ahimsa when we teach yoga. Yeah, and I would, I would imagine, though, that the yoga teachers are aware of these way more than the yoga students and they would practice or try to practice them um, in their lives. I don't know if that's a high expectation on my behalf or if, if you know, not a high expectation, but it's just not necessarily the case. Uh, I would say uh, they are more informed by yoga practitioners. The teachers are more informed and more educated and more knowledgeable um but yeah ultimately they're they're human beings so um i don't know i guess it varies from person to person yeah i guess it also could it depend i'm, I'm assuming on the uh trainings they've had right because maybe some don't really focus on these um i know there's different like yoga teacher trainings uh some focus more on the anatomy or um some focus more on the spiritual i think right so it depends also on the trainings maybe that you've um you've done and maybe your own research yeah true true although these are the very basics of yoga right the uh the eight, lim eight limbs um but for sure some uh, teacher trainings prefer to focus much more on asana practice let's put it that way um rather than the other aspects of yoga um i mentioned at the beginning that practicing the yamas and the niyamas and in this specific case practicing ahimsa helps us have a better life or at least being aware of what we should be doing and i'd like to highlight uh, the practicing of ahimsa when it comes to nature uh yeah, obviously, we shouldn't litter, <laughs> leave our trash when we go into the woods or in parks or something. But what I wanted to insist a little bit more upon is our relationship with uh, animals. Because, of course, this is a never-ending discussion and I will not go full in. But I just like to highlight that um, practicing Ahimsa also means not harming animals not using their uh, body parts, not eating them, and generally not being violent towards animals. Obviously, this is not to say that, uh, oh, if you're not a vegan or a vegetarian, you're not a true yogi. I don't believe that at all. Um, it's just that more care is needed. And I think if we try to live on the yoga side of life, we should at least have a discussion with ourselves and really understand how we feel about this um, and at the end, you know, be be confident of our choices and live up to, to whatever we chose.
yeah, I'm going to still eat meat or no, uh, I will not eat uh, meat or uh, any animal products at all or, or not wear leather or, or whatever. Uh, whatever choice we do, we should we should just stick by it and and not be embarrassed to talk about it, um, whatever choice that is. But yeah, the discussion needs to be had, I think, with ourselves. Yeah, yeah but um, absolutely. And I think, you know, um, if we go back to what Ahimsa really is, which is basically uh, not harming any, you know, uh, living thing, right? Um we we need to to ask ourselves these questions to your point but i think then we we also need to um you know uh, think of us as the as the living thing as well right so if for instance what i mean by that is if being a vegan is actually something that harms you for whatever reason right maybe you have some intolerances or some allergies if you have i don't know allergies to nuts and other things uh, or they just don't sit well with you, that's probably not going to be a good time for you necessarily to be completely vegan. Um, as far as I'm aware from from my research into it. Um, so basically, then it's, it's that um, thinking, right? Okay, I don't want to hurt any living thing, including myself. So how can I find the balance between the two? So maybe maybe I eat vegan or vegetarian a few mm -hmm. times a week, right? Or maybe, mm -hmm. so you find ways that um, you can, you know, limit the violence and the suffering uh, on any living thing as much as possible um, and live in harmony with yourself and, and nature and the, and the other species, basically, and the animals. Yeah, I absolutely support your thoughts. Um... And, you know, us talking here uh, only demonstrates how how widely we should be applying Ahimsa. Um, but when it comes to to food and, uh, and eating and nurturing our bodies, uh, well, there are so many schools of thought out there. And there are infinite studies and tons and tons of scientific literature about uh, the lack of protein and or vice versa um, about the harm uh, meat does uh, to us and, and so on and so forth. Um, I have three more points to make here. Uh, one is my personal experience. I'm a pescatarian. Um, I don't eat uh, red meat or chicken. I only eat fish and seafoods. Um, but I do eat uh, cheese and eggs very rarely. But yeah, I'm a huge cheese lover. Um, I don't drink cow's milk or any other animal milk at all. Um, it's not it it's not very good for me uh, and for my body. But um, I decided to not eat meat after I I had completed my my yoga studies because if you study yoga at um at a deeper or at a more professional level if you want to become a teacher that is you find out all sorts of things <laughs> and then um you you end up changing your life uh from from some perspectives so that was my my first um motivation right my initial motivation but then um so i stopped and then i tried to have some meat here and there every once in a while and every time i did that i I was a mess. <laughs> My digestion was terrible. I would be extremely tired. Um, and it was clear that I, my body doesn't want to go back there any longer. Um, so in my case, it was it, it was exactly like you're saying, right? I, I made a choice to not be 
harming myself and to be well. So for me, that's that's how my eating habits look like. Um, I wanted to touch upon the, there are always, uh, there's this culture that um, always um, impresses me a lot um, because, because it's pretty impressive. Um, the Native American culture, um, they use animals, um, they use everything. And they have all of these, so they just don't don't just eat something and then throw the rest of it away, right? They use the skins and the um, and the fur and the and all of that. But um, they have special ceremonies and rituals where they thank nature and thank animals that they are sacrificing themselves for the humans and that they are offering themselves, you know, their entire bodies and beings for humans. So it's a thank you that they give. Um, it's an honor, uh, um, you know. So it's it's something that's that sounds very special to me and, and quite impressive. Yeah, and whilst I think, you know, what you're saying about this is is better than what we're doing in the Western society, for sure, I would argue that uh you know it's it, again it's better and in thanking animals you know and, and using everything is definitely better but i would argue you know the animals didn't really want to sacrifice themselves if that makes sense so i'm pretty sure um so um yeah i guess from that perspective it's a bit um i don't know what the word is but it's it's definitely hypocritical probably yeah um i was gonna say that um because yeah at the end of the day no animal wants to die or wants to sacrifice themselves no being no like yeah and we've uh you know established already that most animals uh, most animals all all animals i guess except for like i think uh what was it uh, maybe oysters or mussels anyway they're all sentient so they understand pain they understand so it's yeah they that's that's what I would say to that. Um, and then it, coming back to this uh, practicing nonviolence, non-suffering, um, this actually, I think, helps you in keeping more of a vegetarian or vegan overall way of living um, mm -hmm. versus maybe just the, uh, let's say, health benefits. And I say this like this because it's like, uh, again, it depends on your specific, um, you know, um, allergies and all the things, right? So it might not even be that beneficial. But it's also the fact that if you compare, let's say, a mostly plant-based diet to a, you know, Western diet, the standard mm. Western diet, it's uh, it's going to be beneficial, right? It's, it's going to be so much better. But then if you transition from mostly plant-based, let's say, to completely plant-based, I don't think the benef benefits are that uh, great anymore significant mm -hmm. so at some mm -hmm. point yeah you're you're you kind of are it's not going to be a big difference so if your only purpose is just to use just for the health benefits which is not bad i'm not saying but if it's just that then i don't think you know it's 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 easy to just have a steak have a, have the chicken right because it's um right or going back to it let's say uh there's a lot of and i don't want to go into this whole it's it's a completely different topic and uh, a tangent, but there's a lot of vegans that I've seen that went back to not being vegans, right? Yeah, me too. Just, and I think that's most of the cases that I've seen is because they, um, yeah, it was more for the diet. And then there was another 
a popular diet and um, they tried the other diet. You know? Yeah, me too. I've seen such cases. So you can see that the, the, mo the motivation, uh, where they started from was probably not a wise place to start from. <laughs> it was just another about another another diet, dietary change. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I think if we're wandering alone in the desert and we get lost or, or whatever the hell, uh, then that's the only excuse, <laughs> you know. Um, but otherwise, this is 2024, right? So there are so many options out there that actually eating meat seems to me um, not suitable anymore, honestly. Um, but yeah, and yeah, I think I think there's still places you know, in the world where actually there's, you know, so-called food deserts or things like that, where you can't actually, where people can't actually, you know, afford um, to not eat meat, to not eat animals, right? So if we're yeah, talking about absolutely. back to not uh, causing harm to any living thing, right? If, if uh, you know, your only options are those and there's no other way to survive, of course you should do that. But if we talk about, are you know western countries society then yeah there's so many options now um that um again if you don't have like a specific like different i guess um you know uh, health conditions that mm -hmm. yeah prevent you uh completely from from you know going completely bland-based or vegetarian or stuff like that then yeah there's a lot of options there's so many really so so many survive yeah yeah, exactly. We're not out there in the wild. So, I mean, most of us are not. <laughs> um, and um, one final point I wanted to make um, when it comes to um, nonviolence towards animals is to say a few words about this religion called uh, Jainism. Um, it's an Indian religion. I mean, it's not an Indian religion. It's a religion that appeared uh, many, many years ago, of course, in um, India, um, and it is teaching a path to spiritual purity and enlightenment uh, through disciplined nonviolence, um, ahimsa, non-injury, non right, to ahimsa to all living creatures. And um, uh, in Jainism, this ahimsa is the standard by which uh, everything is uh, judged. So um, the practice of ahimsa uh, actually uh, obviously requires to not kill any sort of animal life and harming any life form is the uh, complete, the utmost sin uh, when it comes to Jainism and it has negative karmic effects. Uh, this is what they, what they claim, what, what uh, Jains claim. So um, I'm bringing this up because, in fact, they are the purest uh, religion when it comes to this. Uh, so they're way, way more keen on not killing animals than, uh, and, and being vegetarians, of course, uh, way, way more than uh, Buddhists or Hindus ever were. Uh, yeah, so it's inter interesting. But in fact, they're not a huge percentage of the Indian population. They're a very low percentage. Uh, and of course, you can find this religion in other parts of the world where there is an, a large Indian uh, population, such as um, Australia and UK and USA and Canada. And there are many giants in uh, Japan. I have come to find out. Yeah, just wanted to add this info. Yeah, I, um, I've heard of 
uh, the word. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of, uh, but I didn't know um, much about it. So that's interesting to to learn. Um, and yeah, I knew it was India. I just didn't know it was just a specific. And yeah, all all the things you've mentioned. So that's that's news um, or more news uh, because, as I said, my 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 knowledge is quite limited in in this. Yeah, it, it's very it's very interesting to learn where it applies, right? Because again, circling back to to how we started the discussion, um, it should be largely applied in all aspects of life. And the final final point I wanted to make, because this was not the final one, as it turns out. Um, also, it's best, you know, if possible, we can stop any circumstances where ahimsa is not being applied rather than just sitting silently on the side and just being a witness of a bad situation happening. Of course, ideally, circumstances permitting, um, we should stop that situation because Ahimsa is also about not allowing violent situations to happen. So, yeah. Yeah, it's... it's uh... You know, being a good a good citizen, um, but not not necessarily just a good citizen. I guess a, a good um, human being, maybe. Uh, but yeah, it depends on the circumstance, of course. Uh, but um, I guess as long as you try to practice it uh, or have it in the back of your mind, um, you can assess the situation and see how you could um, help, right? Whether or not you're getting yourself involved directly or. Um, you know, you get support, call the police, whatever it is, but yeah. not just um, ignore and pass by, basically. Yeah, yeah. Practice that. Practice that. That uh, that loving kindness, as the Buddhists say, that loving kindness that is the absolute opposite of violence. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, such a, a short word for um, you know such a complex. <laughs> um yeah way of, not complex way of living but such such complexity right behind it such a short word yeah i'll wait till you hear the others <laughs> because yeah uh, probably we will focus in our in some of our future episodes on, uh, on other yamas and yamas for sure it's very interesting yeah well we we plan to do all of them so uh watch this space um I guess this is our episode today, right? Um, thank you, Monica, for sharing your knowledge with us and me. Um, and yeah, guys, uh, thanks for making it this far. If you have, again, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll see you next time with a new episode. Yeah, Bye. thank you for the discussion. Bye, guys.